1: Michael Porter Jr. But I'm gonna make sure that this
0: pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Four inside. Jokic. Put it in. Jokic. Twenty-three. Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports, and we are here to talk about game one of the second round of the playoffs for the Denver Nuggets. They just got done, well not just got done, it's 2am now on what is now Friday but Thursday night, the Nuggets lost 120-97 to 97 to the Los Angeles Clippers who thoroughly dominated this game. Um, there were some good and some bad, a whole lot more bad than there was good, but still lots to take away and lots to learn from this Denver Nuggets loss. Um, couple things off the bat, the Nuggets were exhausted, obviously they just got done with a very emotional Game 7, and you saw their their numbers, their scoring numbers, go down so dramatically at one quarter after another. It looked like the Nuggets' legs were just not there, and that is totally understandable. It doesn't help you in terms of moral victories in the playoffs, but it is understandable. The other thing is that this game was over in the second quarter. The Nuggets got dominated in the second quarter, 38-20, and then their offense got rushed, their defense got sloppy, and everything spun out of control. For them. So, again, lots to take away. Gary Harris returned to the starting lineup. Lots of good stuff to take away from the first quarter of this one, and then lots of bad things in quarters two, three, and four. So, what was going to happen was I was going to go on Lucas ha- Lucas Hands Show over for two for two one three uh, hoops for their podcast, and I went over there. We had a great great time talking. And overall, I really could not have enjoyed the conversation more, and I found it really, really revealing as to what was going on from the Clippers and the Nuggets perspective. So instead of having people miss out on the podcast that I did with Lucas Han and Mike Jaglin, we decided that we were going to have a this podcast post on first of all their podcast as well as this podcast to be able to give more people the opportunity to listen to so many different sides of this so that's what we did this is also going to be on their podcast it's also going to be on this one so I'm going to take our first break, we're going to talk about um, DoorDash we're then going to have a long conversation between all of us Lucas Han, myself and Mike Jaglin talking about the Game 1 um, events the happenings that existed throughout this really was a beatdown by the Clippers on the Nuggets so I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we had recording it, we're going to take our first break, talk about DoorDash and we will be back on the other end with the conversation I had with all of those good clippers people so give me one second and we'll be back on the other end you've been counting on restaurants your entire life, especially if you're like me and you just happen to love food. Now those same restaurants are counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food that you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. Choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle and Wendy's and the Cheesecake Factory, as well as many of your favorite local restaurants who are also on DoorDash for delivery as well. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and boom, your food is on the way. Right now, our listeners of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast and any Blue Wire podcast can get $5 off and zero delivery fees for their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Lob, the Jam, the podcast. I, of course, am Lucas Han, and we're going to do things a little bit differently tonight. After scolding me for my podcast attendance in our last episode, Dr. Schap and Robert Flom both aren't here tonight. I know. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But we do have two very two special guests. First, as seen on TV,
2: it's filling in 213 Hoops' own Mike Jaglin. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. Massive screen time in the the second (laughs) half. So if you go rewatch that game, lower left-hand corner when the Nuggets are shooting free throws, I'm there. I'm there. Mike is, Mike is famous now. Uh, he actually,
1: he almost tried to big time me and back out of recording, but I told him, you know, you make a commitment, you got to follow through. Uh, I, we're also joined by uh, Mile High Sports Nuggets beat writer, TJ McBride. TJ is the host of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast on the Blue Wire Pods Network. I was on his show for the series preview for this Clippers, Clippers Nuggets series. So make sure you go check that out if you haven't already. TJ, good to have you, man.
0: Yeah, I was going to talk what the second time in like 36 hours. This is awesome. We never get this opportunity. I know. I feel like (laughs) it's been a lot. I mean,
1: you know, TJ and I hung out all the time at Summer League a couple years ago, and then I didn't make it out to Vegas from the East Coast last year. Obviously, no Summer League this year. So it feels like it's, you know, it's good to
0: get some TJ in my life. It's been too long. You might be the only person. That, and I appreciate the compliment. So thank you ahead of time. We're already on the right foot here.
2: I love the TJ in my life. I mean, I think, I think at this juncture of where we are in society, everyone needs TJ in their lives. Okay. Let's just, let's just state that before we go into breaking down this game.
1: All right. So, so tonight we had, we had, we had game one of Clippers nuggets. Um, and I think, you know, I don't, you know, you guys obviously I'm going to ask you. For me this game did not play out so differently from how I expected. I think the Nuggets are better than they were tonight. I think an emotional and energy letdown after coming back from down 3-1, winning a big emotional game 7, only having one day to prepare for this series. I think it was almost inevitable. This is like the most schedule loss that you'll get in the NBA playoffs. This game one loss to the Clippers What I kind of think is game two will probably be Denver's best punch. If the Clippers win game two, it is going to be a long way back into making this a competitive series for Denver and the Nuggets know it. That's game two is the game that I really, really think is important. So what I want to talk about tonight is of course, we're going to talk about this game one and everything that went well for the Clippers on, you know, a pretty triumphant night for the team, but also what we were able to glean from this game Uh, going forward in the series and kind of how we think things are going to go. So I'll start with you, Mike, because it was the Clippers night. What do you think went right for the Clippers? Like what was the, what was your one big thing that, you know, you maybe weren't sure was going to materialize coming into this series. It went well for the Clippers tonight. And it was a big reason why they won the game.
2: Well, I, I just want to start it off by saying, I believe Kawhi Leonard is the best player in basketball. I mean, what we saw tonight and what he was able to do is uh, phenomenal. And I think he really dictated um, what the Clippers were able to do, what, you know, Morris was able to do. PG was aggressive. Um, but, you know, honestly, for me, I'm going to start with Beverly. Because having Beverly back in that starting lineup really juices these guys up, Um it, it it gets the best out of out of you know Kawhi gets the best out of PG you saw PG's defense um and you, you know just the intensity in general even though you know his stat line isn't insane he hit a he hit a, a few shots early to really give him momentum and uh i i i knew after Harris w- went bonkers in that last series we're going to need Beverly to get in his head so i, I for me I, I it was Beverly and then Montrez kind of getting his legs underneath him as the game went on. I think that will load well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it was surprising to me. I know Pat was on a minutes restriction. I was tracking throughout the game. I know he played in four minute spurts. Obviously the starters didn't play in the fourth except for PG, but it was still surprising to me to look at the box score at the end and see that he'd only played 12 minutes because he had more than a 12 minute impact tonight. Uh, he, he was great. And then I, you know, Mike, I said to, um, to TJ, when we were talking about this series, it really doesn't matter if Jeremy Grant or TJ is guarding Kawhi Leonard. He's just going to get what he wants. And I, I mean, I think he got what he wanted tonight. And so TJ, of course, we know, you know, Kawhi Leonard is uh, at the very least, one of the best players in the world, but was there anything in this game that you thought went wrong for the Nuggets that, I mean, obviously a lot went wrong for them, right? They, they lose by 23, but was there anything in this game, particularly where you were like, this is one big thing that cannot happen again uh, for them in this series?
0: Well, they cannot allow the Clippers to run so effortlessly because, like you said, Kawhi is going to be Kawhi. It doesn't matter if it's Jesus, the Terminator, or me defending him. Regardless of where he's on the court, he's going to do whatever he wants to do. He is that good right now. But Denver getting cross-matched in transition, which then leads to a mismatch for Kawhi to then exploit on the half court, that cannot happen. Denver has to have the ability to get back quickly and to be able to match up to get the, at least the matchups they want. Not one that'll work because there is no matchup that'll work on Kawhi. But at least what you can do to give yourself the best chance. I was also encouraged by how Gary Harris defended him in the first quarter. Obviously, from that point forward, the game got entirely out of hand. But I did think you saw the um, the ability for Gary Harris to at least be physical with him before the help got there. That would at least disrupt a little bit. It didn't throw Kawhi off much at all in this game, and I don't think it will. But if there's at least some kind of glimmer into how that works, I think that you you can see a reality in which Gary Harris at least bothers Kawhi. And that was encouraging for me. Um, But in terms of Kawhi and slowing down this Clippers attack and what you can take forward, there's nothing the Nuggets can do against Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is an unsolvable problem for them. And that's just the reality of the series. I don't think anybody in basketball really has an answer for him right now. So with that being said, What are you supposed to do if you're Denver? How do you go forward? I think the one thing they have to do is not let the role players play so well because, like you said, Patrick Beverly played 12 minutes. I did not know that. I I would have anecdotally thought he played 25 minutes in this one regardless of the eight points and six rebounds that he had. I thought he was very important, but Marcus Morris having 18 points on 10 shots is just something that you cannot get away with. Denver has to be able to do better against the auxiliary
2: help because you're not going to be able to stop Kawhi at this point. Well, doesn't Denver have to win that like Millsap Morris matchup to really kind of have a chance to, I know it sounds, you know, uh, you know, kind of minor, but for them to have a chance, Millsap has to, you know, hold his own in, in that matchup. Right? I mean, I see, I don't know that you're going to get more
1: out of Millsap than you got out of him tonight. Like, And he wasn't
0: is... good tonight on top of
1: that. Like he's yeah. still, yeah. Too... I think a lot of, a lot of 50, 50 things broke his way. Like, you know, arm gets tangled with Marcus Morris refs call a foul Millsap throws it in on the continuation uh, and even then he was he was only okay but i don't know that Millsap has another game this good this series just based on what i saw tonight and what i've seen from him in the past i really think tj i don't know you know mike malone doesn't doesn't want to hear this i don't know
0: how you feel i feel like you've got to go away from him so I agree with you, and I would also go away from him, but then you have the discussion of what do you do? Who, who do you replace him with? Because Michael Porter Jr. was not great tonight. Michael Porter Jr. has mm-hmm. not been great in the playoffs. Yes, he is a very, very talented offensive player, but that's barbecue chicken for Kawhi Leonard or Paul George on the perimeter every time he's defending him. So in terms of what you're gaining by removing Paul Millsap, I'm not sure what it is this series. Last series, I get it. They were getting shot out by the Jazz, so they really need to find a way to get more shooting on the floor. So in my mind, it makes more sense to remove Paul Millsap from the starting lineup in that circumstance for a guy like Michael Porter. But in this series, I just don't know where you're going to be able to create more production at that position on the floor. Because then you're asking Jeremy Grant to then slide to power forward and suddenly shoulder a big rebounding responsibility, which is going to become incredibly important in this series. I don't think you can rely on him to be a good defensive rebounder. So if that's the issue right now, is that if you did take Paul Millsap out and put him on the bench, then you don't have michael Porter jr. off off the bench to give you a scoring punch, which they didn't get tonight, but they're going to need in games two, three, four, and however many exist past that so the ripple effect I think could be more problematic than the than just leaving Paul Millsap in there, but the fact that Denver has to pick between these two poisons is more indicative of just how small the margin of error is for them and how few solutions currently exist
1: yeah let's um, talk let's talk about the benches because I thought. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., I didn't just think missed shots tonight. I thought he – it was really a poor showing from him all around. From, you know, that Trez blocks his dunk is fine. It happens. But then to come right back down and chuck a contested three and then commit a charge, like he he was rattled by by that rejection from Harrell. I think it wasn't just, oh, I got blocked. I'm going to play the next play. Um, So I really, you know, wasn't impressed with kind of – his apparent readiness to be in this moment tonight. And I think uh, Monte Morris is a guy who who I really like and his final stats ended up okay because he played a lot in garbage time, but through, you know, the first two and a half quarters of this game, where you can say the nuggets were, you know, still kind of fighting and, and had a chance to get back into it. I thought Morris was really bad in his first half minutes. And those are two guys playing off of the bench for the nuggets who just need to be productive if they are not getting productivity out of those guys it is going to be a hard hard series for Denver off the bench Mike the Clippers bench tonight you know again stats get padded a little bit in garbage time what did you think with Patrick Beverly back about the second unit lineup that Doc Rivers rolled out that was kind of like uh you know at times Reggie Jackson Lou Williams Landry Shamit uh Kawhi Leonard and Montrezl Harrell as the five-man second unit
2: I mean, I, honestly, I, th- I thought Doc did a really good job of, you know, kind of manufacturing and moving these parts. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think Trez got killed as badly as we expected him to. And I think that the biggest thing going forward, and we all know that, you know, Trez is going through a lot emotionally and mentally right now. He looks like he's getting that, 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 that eye uh, eye of the tiger back in him. And I think that's really important going forward because even when he is a liability defensively, he can wreak havoc and he can make Plumlee's life a living hell. And I think we saw that at times. Um, And we saw him play defense, like you said on Porter, Um, you know, the Reggie Jackson stat line is baffling. If you look at that, he he has nothing for 13 minutes. Um, Oh, he got two fouls. Yeah, two fouls. Yeah, he avoided
0: the trillions by two fouls. That is but, exactly what happened.
2: But you, the you know, I, I, out of all the plays though, not not involving the bench, I think for me was when Zubats stood up to Jokic and basically kind of stood his ground, and Jokic missed that shot. That to me, you know, we've seen this evolution of of Zoo, um, especially in the bubble. And that was kind of like, okay, he's not backing down. So from that point on, I felt like, you know, I was really confident with this team. I really confident that, you know, we were going to finally see a team that we all have been waiting for all season to be healthy, to be on the same page, to play together. Um, And I I think we're finally starting to see that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Jokic had, you know, he had a moment here and there tonight, but one thing that's really important I think for you know, for us, for zoo and for doc is to realize Jokic is gonna have his games in a series. He is not like, he's not a guy who you're going to stop. It's not a Boban thing where like Boban gets eight points off the bench. You go, Oh, I can't believe we let this guy score on four possessions. Jokic is going to average in the high twenties over the course of a four game, you know, seven, four to seven game series. I think tonight, six of 14, 15 points, three rebounds, three assists is like as you know, it's easy to look and say, well, well, will had four points and seven rebounds. He didn't have a great game. If Jokic is going to have 15, three and three, the Clippers, none of these games are going to be close. I wonder TJ, you know, Jokic better than we do. Just you, you watch these games. Was there anything, do you think the Clippers bothered him tonight? Or do you think it was just more on his end and there was, he was in positions where he'll be able to succeed in other
0: games? I'm not concerned at all about Nikola Jokic going forward. I truly am not. Um, Nikola Jokic is, like, we talked about this a little bit when we recorded the podcast about 36 hours ago, but Jokic is a bird. He's instinctual. And right now his instincts are, I need to feel this team out and figure out where these advantages exist. Because they haven't played much. And even when you want to talk about the seeding game, like, nobody was going to show their hand in that seeding game. So I kind of throw that game away entirely. And I feel like Nikola Jokic was trying to get a feel, and I think he was trying to get everybody else into a rhythm that's something he tries to do early on in games and i thought he did a very good job of it in the first quarter in the second quarter the all of a sudden the Clippers are hitting everything in sight. The Nuggets are rushing their offense, trying to catch up and everything falls apart in their hands. But I thought it was really encouraging to see just how in control and how assertive Nikola Jokic was in that first quarter. And I thought that a lot of that style of play is sustainable. And I think it's going to be direly needed. This is one thing I wrote. I I tweeted about, I'm writing about it tonight after we end up doing this podcast, but The Nuggets cannot rely on Jamal Murray to initiate their offense in this series. This has to be a Nikola Jokic series. It cannot be the way the Jazz series played out. Because with Kawhi Leonard, who checked Jamal Murray for a lot of the night, way more than I anticipated off the bat, The Nuggets just don't have the ability to play through him at that point. And even if they got someone switched off of him, even if Kawhi was not the guy checking them, it was Marcus Morris, it was Patrick Beverly, it was Paul George. There's just so much length, so much size, so much physicality, so much tenacity, and so much skill defensively for Jamal Murray to get through that the only way Denver is going to create sustainable offense is to use Nikola Jokic in the post, draw doubles, kick out, or use him one-on-one against Zub when he absolutely, like this the thing Nicola did a very good job of handling Zoo when he actually went at him when he wasn't trying to be aggressive against him that's when Zubats was able to fall back kind of play that middle ground between drop and not and kind of you know still play the passing lanes but body Nicola because Nicola wasn't being decisive I think you're going to see that shift in a dramatic way in game two this is going to be the Nicola Jokic show in game two and Denver has to do it that way if they want any chance of winning this series I I thought it was interesting I think the Clippers went um you know
1: mike we saw them do this in the first round where they moved Zubot's off of Dallas's big man so that he could play more of a help role and they could put Morris in defending the ball screen and i think as the game went on we saw more of that where when jokic is kind of inside the arc catching the ball zub is normally the guy who's meeting him there but there were stretches where the nuggets are running like kind of a pick and pop and Paul George is just switching, Paul George, who, who's on Murray for much of this game, is just switching on to, on to Jokic and guarding him. And I mean, I think Paul George was tremendous defensively tonight, all over the floor. But um, yeah, I don't know, Mike, what did you think of, of how the Clippers played defensively tonight? I know it's, a, it's rough to over-exaggerate uh, because of Denver's legs coming, you know, coming out of that first round series, but w- what was there to maybe like or improve on in the Clippers' defense tonight?
2: Well, I think their defensive rebounding needs to improve. Um, I felt like, especially early on in the game, there were a lot of uh, second and third chance opportunities that the Nuggets had. And I, I you know, I, I agree with TJ saying that, you know, you have Jokic, at, you know he's he's a quarterback and he's going to find people. And the Achilles' heel in the Dallas series was, you know, you, you go to Luca and you know Finney Smith or Seth or you know, Burke would nail these threes. And that's what Denver needs to win this series. Uh, as much as they need Jamal Murray to to play superhuman did, like they did the last series, they need those guys like, uh, you know, Grant early on to consistently do that. They need a couple of those guys a game to be able to make this series. But, the, but you know, on top of that, I, I was worried about the second chance points that, that Denver was able to get.
1: Yeah, I I thought that was definitely the case. Um, You know, Trez had – I think he had an okay night tonight. Uh, You know, definitely nothing near the Dallas series levels. He missed a couple shots around the rim. um, But he he did get to the free throw line, which I really appreciated. I actually would like to see the Clippers – they did this for a little bit. I'd like to see them use him against Jokic. Not because I want to see him guarding Jokic. But I think if he plays with the starters – and for, there was a stretch where Jokic was in against Trez, but he had Patrick Beverly, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard all in front of him. Uh, Jamichael Green was the four in that lineup instead of Morris. But still, there were the perimeter defenders in front of him where you're not asking Trez to make up for other people's mistakes. And the Clippers, did; they survived that stretch defensively. It wasn't amazing, but it, it was okay. And I think Trez is a guy who gets to the free throw line and I would really like to say, and I, I've been saying this, if if Jokic picks up a foul early in the game, and I think he picked up one about halfway through the first quarter tonight, I'm bringing Trez in, putting Jokic in a ball, in a ball screen on defense, and trying to get a second foul. Like, either Trez is going to dunk or Jokic is going to get a second foul. That's what I'm going for. And I know that's going to hurt you defensively, but I think to TJ's point about Jamal Murray – you know, kind of needing not that Jamal Murray needs to is going to be negated in this series, but he's, he's going to have to play off of the ball more uh, because of the point of attack defenders the Clippers have. I think that that is a situation where if you can get Jokic off the floor even for a few extra minutes, that is really really going to hurt the Nuggets.
2: Well, and you in and, and and that's why I I I gained a lot of confidence with the way Trez played uh, offensively, especially with his aggression, is because. I think you can do that now, Lucas. Um, in, in that first series against the Mavs, he had the on issues and his legs weren't there. Um, I, I think he's finally starting to hit a stride um, of what we kind of saw in the regular season. And I, and, I, and I think now, like you said, I think you can do that. I think you can force Jokic. I
1: think, I think another question is, if you can take Murray out of the game, Jokic might have 30, 10, and 10, but you're not you're you're not gonna lose. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not really concerned about any individual player stat line if the s- sum of the points is that the Clippers win the game. And I think if the Clippers are effective in neutralizing Murray, I, I don't see there being enough points uh, from Denver. On a night where where Murray has 12 points on five and fifteen, there just are not, there's not gonna be enough points from the other guys to win. And so they, they need to find a way to unlock him more than he was unlocked tonight. And I think that, that Mike Malone is a good coach. He's a smart coach. Obviously, Jokic is a great passer. So th- these are things that are going to improve, and Murray's only going to get healthier and fresher for game two uh, than he was in game one. TJ, I have to ask you, because we talked about it before, Torrey Craig, I think you know his, his stat line for, for a guy who's going to be a dirty work guy, six points on two of three. He made one of two threes. He got a few rebounds while he was in. It's not bad, but I just think they got torched when he was in the game tonight. I I mean, is there a way for, for him to play in this series?
0: I've I've been – a big advocate of giving P.J. Dozier his minutes going back to Game 5 against the Jazz. Like, it just makes more sense to have more offensively capable players on the floor that at least have the size to make up what Torrey Craig does. And let's be honest, when Patrick Beverley is going to blow by him before he even reaches half court, what is he giving you on defense? Like, that's not helpful. He has to be able to contain, and he wasn't doing that tonight, and honestly, he hasn't done much of that in the playoffs. So, I've been here... Um, I'm actually one of the biggest Tory Craig supporters you're going to come across. I think he's actually a very useful player in a lot of circumstances, but these have not been it. And the Nuggets need somebody who can play defense, but can also give you something on offense. Because right now, the Clippers are just being like, if you want to shoot, you can shoot the ball 14 times wide open from anywhere you want on the court tonight. And that, that's what they should be doing. But it's completely discombobulating the offense when they're on. He's not giving them enough defense to make up the difference, and there's somebody in P.J. Dozier who has ball handling skills, who has shown that they can shoot a little bit, who has shown that they're a good finisher who can create for their teammates just waiting for the opportunity. So, I, I'm with you. I don't think Tory Craig can, can continue to play in this series. That does not mean that he's not going to continue to play in this series. Michael Malone trusts him. Whether or not that's a good thing is irrelevant. He trusts him, and that will be the difference maker in terms of how much he plays in my opinion so I don't think Tory Craig should play anymore but I fully expect him, expect him to continue playing between 12 and 18 minutes a night.
1: yeah I think you know what I saw tonight um, with Craig was what I saw coming into the series which is he's a guy who he's a good defender he's you know he's a he's a quality he's a plus defender he's not a great defender he's a plus defender and That's not going to swing a game, but it's a nice guy to have in your rotation. The problem is offensively, he lets the Clippers play Lou Williams with no repercussion. And Lou didn't have an amazing night tonight. I thought he was good. 10 points, 4 assists in 24 minutes, right? It's nothing crazy. Lou Williams can definitely do a lot more than that. But for the Clippers to be able to get, you know, the threat that Lou brings as a shooter, his ability to get downhill his ability to find other guys is kind of the best pure distributor that the Clippers have on the roster. And then to have there be no repercussion defensively for, for playing him because he's able to play second unit minutes across from Torrey Craig and just, you know, get a free pass and, and basically play four on four. That's something that the nuggets, I mean, if you, the Clippers have, we, we saw the talent the Clippers have tonight, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Marcus Morris, it's obvious. Everyone knows it. If you let Lou Williams come in and give you, you know, 20 plus points and not go on a run offensively playing against his defense, there's just not a lot of ways uh, to beat the Clippers. And and that, that's one thing if I'm Denver,
0: that really worries me. Um, All right. So let's, sorry. sorry. Do do you mind if I make one one more? Go ahead. Go ahead. That, that's why I think P.J. Dozier is such an easy person to throw in because not only does he have the size and the length to still defend him, you can throw him the ball in the reversal and let him run a pick and roll with Mason Plumley or Paul Millsap or whoever you want right back at Lou Williams whenever you want to. And he can finish over, around, or through Lou Williams as well. So just to build on your point, I think is that, that is exactly correct. And I think that I hope the Nuggets make that kind of a change.
1: Yeah, I thought Harris, uh, you know, in, at least early in the game, had a couple of moments, too, where, where the ball got reversed to him, and he kind of got the weak side screen and was able to do something. I, I know that that he can obviously do that, but I think with where he is coming back from his injury, correct me if I'm wrong, he was good defensively in those two games that he played against Utah in game six and seven. Did not do a lot on offense. And I think tonight, I mean, five points and two assists is not a lot, but he looked a little more a little more solid offensively. Like he was start getting more up to speed. So I, I don't know, that's something I think for the Nuggets also maybe to look forward to as the series progresses is Harris being a guy on the weak side who can give them a little bit more. Um, is there anything else that uh, let's we can we can ping over back to Mike for a second. Mike, is there anything else from the Clippers
2: tonight that you think kind of needs the spotlight shown on it? I mean, Marcus Morris... I mean Mm -hmm. the way he's played in the playoffs is spectacular I mean this is why they went out and they got him Um, he is that dirty work guy a lot of people hate him um, but you need guys like this to win a championship and he he carries a load that Kawhi and PG don't have to that you know uh, to a certain degree that than Bev if that makes sense he gives you know he gives you options to guard you know threes fours fives and he's not going to back down um and I feel he's he's more in tune now with the offense than he was earlier in in the first part of the season um I, I I think a lot of Clipper fans were feeling like oh is this a fit and now now we're getting to find out you know it is a fit, and you have to remember that Morris was the guy in in New York. Basically, I was averaging basically 19 a game. Yeah, and almost 20. Now he is, you know, what the fourth or fifth option on this team.
1: Yeah, probably fourth, I would say. Yeah.
2: Um, so I, 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 I just I'm really worried when he leaves the bubble that's what scares me going for the clippers going forward and i I know i've mentioned that in our text but i hope it's later in this series or if this series gets done shortly because he's going to be needed uh going forward but he was phenomenal
1: yeah marcus morris of course um expected to exit the bubble at some point in september for the birth of his child Uh, his wife um and his you know know, current oldest child are in the bubble with, uh, with him now, um, as families are able to join the team after uh, the end of the first round. But obviously uh, they'll have to go out um, you know, to a hospital for, for the delivery. And that will, will mean at least a four day reentry quarantine for Marcus, uh, depending on how long he's out and how long he's with his wife out there. Fortunately, sh- uh, she'll be able to come back in as well, uh, as long as you know, they're able to work out everything in terms of, of getting the baby everything uh, that the baby needs, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely something if he misses, like you're at this point with how he's been playing, if Marcus Morris has to miss two Western conference finals games for that, obviously it's justified. I'm not saying he shouldn't go, but that's something that, that could really matter because he's been so, so good. I thought Michael Green had his best game of the playoffs tonight. Uh, And it wasn't a game, you know, it wasn't that he hit a bunch of threes, but I thought that he came in with that, with that second unit, uh, you know, not like the before garbage time period. I thought he was just quality. He was the only guy getting rebounds. He scored well. I I, I don't know. It it was good because I think Jamichael has had his role a little bit shrunk here in the playoffs for obvious reasons, largely because Dallas is such a small team. The Clippers are playing their guards a little bit more heavily. Marcus Morris has played so well. He's playing, 36 minutes a game, which is more than he was playing in the regular season. But for Jermichael to come out here, I think this has to feel really good for him. And I I hope that he's a guy that that they need feeling good about himself because he's going to have to contribute when Morris is out. Uh, And that's definitely a good sign. Is there anything for you, TJ, on the Nuggets side of things that we haven't talked about yet that you think really warrants mentioning going into game two?
0: Uh, nothing from the Nuggets point of view, but just a bit on the Marcus Morris part of the conversation. If he has 18 points shooting over 60% from the field like he did tonight, Denver has almost no chance if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are also playing well. He just eliminates all margin of error and they don't have the ability to match up with their starting unit at that point. And his defense tonight, switching onto, onto Jamal Murray was really encouraging from the Clippers standpoint. So Marcus Morris presents an entirely different problem for the Nuggets that they have not had to face in the playoffs. And I'm not exactly sure how they're going to be able to solve it.
1: I think there was a play where um, Jamal Murray, you know, Nuggets ran him off of several screens and the Clippers, you know, with with Zubot's guarding Jokic and those other four starters on the court for the Clippers, as Murray is coming, curling off of all these screens, weaving around, trying to get open, the Clippers just, oh, well, Paul George is going to switch with Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly is just going to switch with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is just going to switch with Marcus Morris. And so Murray does all of that running and the Clippers, the Clippers defense almost doesn't even move. They just switch, you know, switch who's on him as he comes around and then he gets the ball and he's going against Marcus Morris. And it's like, man, that is so tough to play against. Uh, You know, against a team like Utah, there are weak points on the floor defensively. And so they can't just switch all of those screens one through four um, and without giving Jamal Murray a matchup he wants as long as the Clippers are playing their starters, the story changes, of course, when they go to their bench. But against those starters, I, I don't know who, you even, who you're even gunning to get switched on to you if you're Jamal Murray. Like Those are four bad options.
0: 100% agree and that's why Nikola Jokic has to be the one to draw the defense to him. If that does not happen, Denver is dead. It, it none of this is going to matter. It's going to be four, maybe 5 games if the Clippers play bad unless they find a way to have Nikola Jokic take over this entire offense and create for others. Cuz right now with the way this with this with the way this is built, it's exactly what you said. It's going from 6-8 to Patrick Beverly, to 6-8 to 6-8. And there's just nothing that Jamal Murray can do with that. He struggles with size he struggles with on-ball pressure and those are the things that the clippers excel at defensively. So again, you are 100% correct on that one.
1: Yeah, I think you know the clippers brought that pressure on Murray and early in the game, the rest of the nuggets made them pay, tied 31-31 after the first quarter. Jeremy Grant, 11 points in the first quarter, 12 points in the game, right? That that didn't sustain itself for the nuggets. Some of that, I think, is, frankly, talent limitations for the guys they have on the roster around these two. A lot of it, I think, also has to do with legs because we know that you know, the Nuggets are better than a 25% three-point shooting team, to be certain. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm curious, TJ, I know that you and I both coming into this series had Clippers in six. Mike Jaglin, Clippers in six as well. Yep. Is anybody moving after tonight? Did anyone see anything tonight that makes them say, Actually, you know, probably I, I'm not sure that the Nuggets will be able to take it six, or maybe, you know, in the other direction if that's the case.
0: At least for me, this is only reaffirming what I already felt. The Nuggets were tired. They had 31 in the first quarter, 20 in the second, and 16 in the third before garbage time. Their legs went away. So I'm not taking any grand proclamation takeaways from this game. The Nuggets played hard in the first quarter, saw a lot of things that would actually work against this Clippers team, and their legs went away. So I'm I'm holding on to where I was, and I'm waiting till
2: after game two to reassess. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm... T- going to stick at six, but um, Jamal Murray has to turn back into uh, NBA 2K Jamal Murray for this team, for, for the Nuggets to uh, really have a chance at winning the series. I mean, I, g- game two, like you said, Lucas is huge. And I, I, I think TJ, you'll test to this too. I think it's, this is the haymaker game the, you know, the, the Nuggets have to come out and they have to swing um, because if they go down two zero, with the amount of games and the emotion level that they've gone through over the last couple weeks, it might be too much.
1: I, I think it's, you know, game, a game one after a game seven is normally extremes for the team that won the game seven, because you're coming in. I think the Nuggets to a little bit, uh, you know, putting up 31 points in that first quarter with how tired they were had a lot to do with, their momentum from feeling good about winning game seven and coming back 3 one against the jazz as they deserve to feel good for that accomplishment. But again, as TJ said, I thought tonight was all about the legs. My prediction tonight, just based on what we had seen based on like Jamal Murray's reaction on sports center was the big one for me. That just felt to me like the nuggets are just, aren't going to have the gas in the tank in game one. And I really think, I really do think, that game two, and I said it before the series started and I'm still saying it. I still think Clippers in six, I think that game two is the most important game. If the Clippers win game two and go up to zero, depending on how that game looks, I might be ready to adjust. But I think game two, Denver is legitimately the third best team in the Western conference. They have been all year. They have gotten better as the bubble and playoffs have gone on adjusting to playing with injuries. Game two is gonna be their best punch. They're not going to leave anything, you know, on the whiteboard for game two. They're going to give it everything they have. If the Clippers win game two, especially if they win game two, you know, rather handily, then this is not going to be a series. But this, this is the real test, I think, coming up in game two. Game one, the Clippers got a freebie because of the scheduling, right? And there's that, it is what it is. Game two is the absolute big one. Yeah, are we are we all on the same page with that? I, I'm with you on that one for sure.
2: Yeah, and I, I think we need to also call out. We talked about how, you know, it, typically you play a game seven. You know, you could travel somewhere and have to play. You know, Sunday to Tuesday. Um, here they're not traveling, but the every other day is so nuts. And the fact that the Nuggets have to go, have to beat the Clippers under those circumstances while the Clippers were able to, you know, I don't want to say ham and egg it through the, the, the Mavs series, which was frightening, but able to get Patrick Beverly back and get Trez's legs back. Um, the margin for error for, for Denver is really slim. I mean, they need game two and they need to make the adjustments quick or yeah, then it, then it can't, then it will change into a four or five game series.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just think game two is big because the Clippers got to feel good tonight. And I think the national narrative didn't give Denver a chance in this series to begin with. And after tonight, you know, I people are I'm already seeing people saying sweep, Um, which I game one. if, if you had Clippers in six and after the Clippers win game one, you're saying Clippers sweep. That is such an extreme overreaction because if you had Clippers in six, you were expecting them to win game one anyway. (laughs) <laughs> so that's not like nothing changed in your view, right? Like for me, I picked Clippers in six. They won game one. Good. They needed to win game one or else Clippers in six probably wouldn't have happened. So I, I don't think tonight is tonight is an indicator that, Oh, this is going to be a sweep. I don't think we learned a lot tonight, frankly, in this game. I think it's great that the Clippers got the win because now their margin for in the series, um, you know, grows. They only need to win three of the next six games. The Nuggets need to win four of the next six, but this this doesn't tell me anything that I didn't already know about where these two teams are at this particular moment in their seasons. Um, And
0: yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I'm feeling. Do we have, go ahead. And not only that, this this is a Nuggets team that just became the 12th team to ever come back from a 3-1 deficit. How are we writing off a team after one game when they had played <laughs> 48 hours ago and had no time to prepare? How are we writing that team off? I don't think Denver wins. I don't think Denver has a better than a 5% chance to win. But to write them off after what they have already done literally 48 hours ago is just so bewildering to me. I mean, how, like at least half of
1: the national NBA media hasn't even wiped the egg off their face from the first round yet. <laughs> like yeah. they they already gave up on Denver a week ago and they, I mean, yeah, it, it's, I think Denver uh, at the end of the day, I think Denver's actually better than they will play in this whole series because they missed Will Barton and they didn't have a chance to get into a rhythm. Um, this bubble, they, with, with the injuries they came in with the weird lineups they had to play. I think Denver's going to go away. They might feel really good about that round one victory and they should feel good about it. Jamal Murray became a player that he, there's, a, there's, I, I have, I say for guys that you can be good. You can score points. You know, everyone can say you're a star, right? But in you're not until you are. Right, you're not that guy until you are that guy. I have to see it, Jamal Murray. We had that. We had that. Right. We saw it. I think Denver can feel good about that, even if they walk away. You know, if they lose this series and walk away thinking, "Man, we never fully realized our potential," but like Jamal Murray showing that he's that guy in a playoff series, I think is a big thing for them to be confident going forward. Um, but that—that's maybe a little more macro. Than where we are right now in the middle of the series any other big
0: takeaways heading into game two before we wrap up i got nothing i think that we cleared everything that we can from a game that really didn't carry a ton of meaning in my eyes
2: no michael are we going to see you on tv again yeah oh, yeah yeah you're gonna see me all series i mean same I mean, same spot Bottom. there's point. an no, athletic no, no. article
0: just waiting to happen about life as a member of the digital fans too so yeah, i need someone get on, on the phone where someone. is tony jones
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it it's an experience um but yeah I, I i will continue my fan experience um um game two I, I think the clippers just have to prepare for you know denver to make adjustments and uh You know, again, haymakers are going to be thrown, and we'll see what happens. Like again, the every other day thing scares me for Denver. That's the thing. It's like you're 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 going uphill every other day. They're not spread out uh, like normal playoffs would be. So, but uh, it's going to be crazy on Saturday. I think that this is going to be this is going to tell us where where we go.
1: All right, Mike. Before before we go. Uh, the people always want to know, you know, you're on every now and then, you know, pretty, pretty frequently with us. People always want to know how the twins are doing. Give us a twins update.
2: Okay. Let's do this because we're going to go back into the v- virtual fan experience because the kids are doing great because there isn't, there's an entire protocol now with the virtual fan experience because I do have two <laughs> twins. Okay. So here's the deal. Five o'clock I log in, I log in, make sure I get my virtual seat. Okay. So I'm, I'm on there an hour before. My wife, My great wife goes out, takes the twins out for their little cat nap, gets dinner, brings the dinner back. We eat. I'm on, you know, watching the game. Uh, twins are, you know, hanging on by a thread. And then we run upstairs, basically plug them, tell them a little story. And then I'm back down. So it's, it's the twins are involved in this virtual process uh, and they have been, you know, on the screen before. So they are do they're they're doing quite well. I don't put them in Clipper gear because the only time they wore Clipper gear that we lost, and uh, I'm superstitious <laughs> like that. But they're doing really well. They're doing really well, and uh, they're adapting to this virtual fan lifestyle.
1: Good. Well, you know, maybe maybe like in the preseason we can get them back in some Clippers gear, and you know, see if we can. Don't, but no, no playoff games. If it's cursed, you can't. Like like we can't. No, no that's yeah. a risk we right. can't take. <laughs> well, I'm. Gl- gl- everyone all of us glad to hear that they're doing well glad to hear you and morgan are doing well tj before we head out tell the folks where they can find you
0: yeah i tweet way too much at tj mcbride MBA. if you want to just dive into the insanity of my brain if you'd rather just read words that i write after thinking them through you can go to milehighsports.com or you can listen to the rocky mountain hoops podcast part of the blue wire podcast network
1: amazing all right thank you guys both for joining me in our post game one crazy no Rob, no Dr. Shap, show. Uh, and we will see you after game two, where we'll kind of see what happens. I think we will learn a lot more about where this series is going in game two. I think we can really dive in and say, either this, these are the adjustments the Clippers need to make, or the Clippers look like they're, they're in pretty good shape. So game two is going to be the decisive one. And we hope to see you all then. Thanks for listening.
0: Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are finally coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, you get NFL Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels so you never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use your promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off of your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. That is promo code BLUEWIRE in all capital letters. The <music> Thank you again for sticking around, for listening to the show, for supporting it, for sharing it on social media, for going on to iTunes and leaving five-star reviews and leaving comments and sharing it on social media and all of the above. This show would not be able to exist without you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to listen to go on this adventure with me. So... I, just, I I always like to close by just thanking every single person who has made this show what it is today. In addition to the people who listen to the show, thank you to DoorDash for being able to be a sponsor of the show. Thank you to NFLSundayTicket.tv. Thank you to BetOnline. Make sure you check out Tight End 1, which, which is Greg Olson, who just talked to Shannon Sharp about the intri- intricacies of the tight end position for, Blue, for the Blue Wire Podcast Network. There are so many cool things going on, and even for the Nuggets, we're going to have more and more content coming out as this series continually progresses so if you like what you've been hearing it's only going to get better and continue from this point forward but for me this is it i hope you guys have a great weekend i hope you guys are still wearing your masks and staying safe we will talk to you guys later and i hope you guys have a great rest of your day Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to uh, to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all of the odds, the futures, and props to bet on, and they're all available 24/7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion. Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series that they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. Also, remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE when, to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, spelled B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.